0: Thank you, as always, for listening to Caleb vs. Self. Today, get a chance to speak with Erolian, known locally every year as the Santa surfer here in western New York, super passionate about Great Lakes surfing as a whole. We talk about him moving from France to America, how he started surfing in the Great Lakes, and how the future of his sport is in building the community. You can find him on Instagram, at Ocean America. Hopefully, you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It was a fantastic time check him out on instagram and if you're out here in western new york keep an eye on the lake because you might see him riding some waves all right Aurelian, thank you again this is round two right we're going to try this one again we had a little technical difficulty last week but uh we had a really awesome cool conversation so up front i'll apologize if some of these questions are are the same from last time, but I'm still super excited to get a chance to talk to you. No, Uh, for
1: sure. I am too.
0: So for those of you who might not know uh, Aurelian, or as some people know him as uh, as Frenchie, some other people might know him as the guy that wears Santa Claus suits, surfing in Lake Ontario from time to time. That's how I found him uh, in the Rochester City newspaper. And when I started doing a little digging, I was completely fascinated about uh, a brilliant story, how he ended up here. So let's start from the beginning, right? Born and raised in the south of France. How did you end up here in Rochester?
1: uh Yeah, so uh, in 2006, so quite a few years ago, I can't believe it. Uh, time goes fast and time flies by. but uh, I just decided to change my life. Uh, I was uh, living in the southwest coast of France and um, trying to make a living, but I was more thinking about surfing. Uh, surfing a lot (laughs) so it was hard to keep a job Uh, but I needed to put that uh, off my system I just wanted to live my dream as a uh, young man and and, and surf a lot of great waves in in that beautiful part of France that is very consistent with surfing and very special to my heart Uh, but you know like most of those beautiful places it was very touristic very seasonal very expensive not that many jobs um so it was a little bit challenging and then I got the opportunity to travel to United States uh, you know, for multiple reasons and um decided to stay to challenge myself and to explore and to try to follow my dreams. So yeah I am in Rochester on Lake Ontario.
0: <laughs> of all the places you could be in the United States, this one is probably a little more random than most, but when you made that decision to come over here, did you know any English at all? Was it really rudimentary? Well, like what? How does that happen when you step off the plane or you get to a place and you know you're not maybe familiar with the language? How long did that take you to kind of get acclimated to just being in America? Uh, I mean, I I, I didn't
1: know. Uh, I mean, really, no English at all. Uh, I didn't speak English, and I had absolutely no money. Um, I had two surfboards and they got stolen. I had, a, I had contact of, of people I knew, of course, um, that welcomed me. But uh, um, it, it was extremely challenging. I, I didn't know where I was going. Uh, I didn't really, um, I didn't know anything about Rochester, upstate New York, about the United States, about the culture, about the language, about the politics, about the, I knew nothing. And I was just, uh, a young Frenchman man with two surfboards that just you know, showed up and, and said, Hey, what's up, America? And you know, and I had to, um, to kind of understand what I was doing here and define my, my goals. But more importantly, I struggled tremendously to adapt. Now. And uh, I went back and forth. And, and it was hard. It was just difficult to, to learn the language. It was difficult to adapt to the culture. It was very difficult to understand what I was doing in Rochester is quite uh, a place that I did not like uh, at all. Uh, it was very cold, and um, it was it was nothing that I was used to. I didn't have a car. There's no way I could walk to. Um, you know, it, it was it was. I was depressed. You know, literally, like I I, I had some time where I, I felt depressed and lost and confused. But um, time is everything. And then you know. I don't know what people believe. I, I don't encourage anyone anyone to believe in anything. But you know, I, I had faith regardless, and I feel like I've been helped and guided to the right places and met the right people, and uh, and developed uh, a better attitude towards uh, the place I was and started loving it. and And that started when I met Lake Ontario, and that was a love story and blew my mind away when I realized the the, the size of the Great Lakes, and then. Of Lake Ontario and that body of water that was right there, and I'm like, wow, this is mm-hmm. quite an interesting lake. It's a big lake. It's not like a, you know, a small lake. It's it's big. And um, when I surfed it for the first time, that's it. That made my, uh, it, it gave me some light and it gave me a reason to be. it Sounds very maybe selfish and maybe very uh, random, but I'm like, all right, that gave me a reason to be here. <laughs>
0: Well, I no, I I definitely get that, but also part of that depression, I would imagine, is both your surfboards being—I don't want to say stolen, but they disappeared when you got here. So it's two less things that you had that you have when you get here. So from that point, how is it that you come to say, "Hey, this is a good idea. Let me drop a surfboard into Lake Ontario." Did you meet some people? Did you like? how, How did that happen? Well, first I want
1: to, uh, if you don't mind, before I uh, answer the question, I will tell you a quick story that is really fun. I don't think I told you that, but um, I I did a lot of phone calls. I was really, really mad and very depressed that my surfboard got stolen. And I was trying to at least get reimbursed. But my idea was to get the surfboard uh, Mm. back. But I was trying to get reimbursed at least so I can buy another one, right? Because I really didn't have much at the time, like nothing. Right. I kept calling and calling the, 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 the company called KLM, if I remember well, KLM, and then I keep calling them and calling them and they keep telling me there's nothing they can do for me. They cannot locate the boards and they can reimburse me and blah, blah, blah. And I was really, really perseverant and really like, man, I kept calling and calling and I called so much KLM in the airport in GFK because I assumed that's where I landed, that you know right. they were stolen somewhere there that I was starting to tell them, listen, I'm losing patience. You really need to reimburse me. That's not fair. I'm an immigrant. That's all I came with. That's so important to me. I don't have money. At least send me something. And they will keep telling me nothing they can do for me. And then one day I, I, I insisted too much that they they literally call me at the place I was staying and say, listen, um, if you keep calling, we're going to send the authority to you. And uh, <laughs> And we're going to send, I don't even know, I'm going to mention the name, but I'm sure you understand. They said, we're going to send them to you uh, mm-hmm. because you need to stop calling the airport and you need to stop being aggressive towards an airport because we lost the surfboard. because I was getting really mad. As- <laughs> 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 so, but I was not mad the way that I was being, you know, dangerous or anything like it, but, right. um, and then one day after, I mean, maybe a couple of weeks after that, they called me and they say, well, we found your surfboard. And I'm like, no way. And then we found it. It's coming by UPS. And I was like, wow. But I'm like, what do you mean my surfboard? It was two. And they said, well, we found one. I'm like, well, it's better than none. Right. And yeah. Then the place <laughs> I was staying at one morning or afternoon, I can't quite recall the time of the day. I was waiting for it. I see the UPS truck parked. And I'm not kidding like the UPS guy that had nothing to do with that. There was a very nice guy who walked with package that looks so small that I'm like, that's not my surfboard. And then <laughs> I open the door and I look at the guy and then I look at what he had under his arm and I'm like, oh no, where are you kidding me? It was like the war it could have been the worst joke in the world. I told the guy, I said, listen, I don't even need to look further. I know what you have under your arm. I know you're doing a job. It's not your fault, but please can you go? Because this is like pissing me off so much because it's not my surfboard. It was a body board for kids. Oh no. So small. And I'm like, I know it's not your fault, but that's so ridiculous. I was so looking forward to my surfboard and I know what you have now. It's just really not my surfboard. And I said, thank you so much for coming, but please just tell them it's not what I'm looking for. And then that's it. Um... (laughs) And then I fought again, and then they reimbursed me, and I was able to buy a surfboard. So, you know. So, they
0: didn't. You you called one more time, and yeah, they didn't I called, call the authorities.
1: I called again, and I said, you know what? Was, uh, the, the guy came with a bodyboard, and it was like a thing for child. I said, it's not even fair that you guys wouldn't do that. When I described it, the board to be six feet, I said, have some common sense and respect. And and I said, um, so they, they sent me $600, and I bought a surfboard and a skateboard, and I still have the skateboard. The surfboard, I Used it and sold it, and then the skateboard is really cool. I bought it from California, and I still have it.
0: Is it a longboard or like a tri- like a? Oh
1: man, it's a, it's not a longboard. It's like the, it's not. the longest skateboard you would ever see. Really? So long, so long. It's huge. <laughs> it's, it's taller than me.
0: Do you still take that board out? Like, do you still go ride yeah. around hills yeah. and stuff?
1: Yes, it's cool. I take it uh, maybe you know a couple times a year. Just it's it's very special. Cool board, it's really
0: cool. Yeah, is it like six foot, seven foot?
1: Um, it's at least five seven. You know, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> and it's super flexible when you're right. Jump and it's loose. It's so cool.
0: Do you, do you so for those boards? And and I don't mean to sidetrack us, but on those boards, because you just showed me you had another board under your feet there. Do you yeah, have, have your trucks? Do you put your trucks really loose to emulate surfing, or do you have real tight trucks?
1: No, I have tight trucks, but I have um, the, the skateboard I was riding today. Actually, I went to the park and I ride my skateboard. It was made out of sustainable uh, fishnet recycled from the ocean. And uh, it's the partnership of, it's not the one I have in my hand now, but it's another one. But yeah, the truck is super loose and it's designed to simulate surfing motion. And it's an amazing feeling and workout. And uh, you can make a really sharp turn. It's really excellent.
0: Nice. That's really yeah. cool.
1: It's so a of the, this is a Duplica of a hobby skateboard. It's a Duplica of one of the first skateboard.
0: Really? Yes. So like back cool. when it was literally a toy for children and not like the industry that it is today? <laughs>
1: Correct. So that was really like, you know, it's, it's very narrow. It's very small. It's a beauty actually.
0: Does it I'm assuming that one, because you use it, that probably doesn't have clay wheels, does it? Like the original?
1: Uh, No, Um, but actually the one I have under my feet, I've never used it. I keep it new in my office. It's the office one? (laughs)
0: Correct. Nice. So so to go back to where we kind of jumped off, how is it that you end up? So you get your reimbursement, you buy another surfboard. How do you end up in Lake Ontario? And not only that, how do you end up in Lake Ontario in the middle of winter when there's not too much ice?
1: Yeah, so actually my first uh, surfing experience was not in the winter, but in the fall. I will remember my entire life. Um, I was home and my way to learn English was to watch a lot of TV, things that I don't necessarily do in life, but I do enjoy a lot of, I like movies in the evening, you know, when the day is done, I really enjoy movies, action movies or documentaries, but I don't watch news or I don't watch a lot of TV and I don't watch TV during the day ever. Uh, but my point when I was an immigrant, I did a lot of that because I, was, I didn't have a car, It was far from everything. And of course, I would go in the outdoors, but I would watch a lot of TV to learn the language. Um, That was my way to learn English. And that's what helped me tremendously. And uh, one day I was watching TV, like I said, and the news weatherman was talking about this big Ernesto. I remember the name for the rest part of my life. Hurricane Ernesto. Okay. Hurricane Ernesto was in 2006 or 2007. I would have to look at it. But um, yeah, so he was showing the intensity of the storm coming on the East Coast and he was showing the map of Lake Ontario. And I was like, holy moly, this lake is huge. And at the time, I've never seen the lake. I'm like, oh, come on, that's like a few minutes from home. This thing is enormous. And then he's showing the intensity of the storm with the wind that will pick up from the East Coast to upstate New York. And I'm looking at that wow. Oh, a big body of water, and such an intense storm, I mean, there's a chance that it will create something, a wave. Mm -hmm. And so I drove that day with a car that I borrowed, and then I went to the lake, and in Rochester, where I live now, I can almost see that place from my home. I mean, it's funny enough. Um, And then I went there, and it was, like, not a big wave, but like three to four feet Perfectly clean wave breaking. And yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is incredible! And I could not believe what I was looking at. And actually, two guys were surfing, and I've never seen those two guys ever again. Uh, they were surfing, and it was not that cold, but it was still a pretty cold water, based you know on what I was used to in France. And I had nothing, and I had you know I actually did not even have my board, and then. I just remember seeing those guys surfing and I wave at them and I said, can I borrow your And Like, dude, it's cold. You can't go the way you are. I'm like, I'm just going to go in the car and take things off and just go and surf. Right. And I did. And I was frozen. I was super cool, but I caught a few waves and I loved it. And And that's it. It was uh, no wetsuit, no
0: wet shoes, nothing, just nothing.
1: And it was, it was super, 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 super cold. And I caught some three, four foot wave amazing with those two guys. One of them was actually a UPS driver and I've never seen him again. And the other one, none of them, I can't remember the name, but they were very nice people. Um, They served decently well and they were having fun. And uh, yeah, like I said, and then, then that's it. It was beginning of a love story. And I just learned about forecasting and winds and, Great lakes and different lakes and different events and community and friends and start searching for the perfect wave and exploring and driving and meeting people and we did so much over the years creating competitions in Canada uh, all the way to the East Coast. I mean the community has grown tremendously um, from 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 that time um, and that's it. It's just a love story and then now I surf and practice. I surf four of the five Great Lakes. Um, And Lake Ontario is my home and surf most of it and still so much to explore.
0: So which one's left? I think you've done Huron, right? Uh,
1: Michigan? Correct. Huron quite often. I really love that place. Uh, Michigan, I did it once. Uh, I'm looking forward to do it again. a matter of fact, probably this year. And then I've, of course, done Lake Erie, Lake Ontario on a very regular basis. Uh, And I'm missing Lake Superior because it's quite far. Uh, yeah. it's a big commitment but it's the big guy and there's quite a very um um you know strong surfing community with great surfers and they have amazing wave and i'm just so looking forward to go i've been it's been in my mind for in ever it's just a it's a big commitment you have to fly you have to fly your boards uh, you have to be on time and it's super cool when the storm happens so yes
0: so you were talking about as well like competitions and in and- um, uh, hosting them, you know, making them, being a part of them, and I know you have a buddy. I think his name is Ryan, and you had posted a long time ago uh, about him and competing. And in in the quote or what you wrote, you had said that you wanted to try to hopefully win a competition uh, when you're 60. Do you still feel like you want to try to keep doing this all the way up until you're 60?
1: Yeah, more. I have friends who serve uh, while well, much more than 60, and they compete and they're really good. Um, really. Friends- no, no problem. 60, yes, yeah, no problem. If you if you eat the proper diet, and more importantly, you keep in motion, you keep moving. Um, the only thing, do you want to surf a lake at 60? It becomes harder. I mean, the suit and the cold and the wind, that that's a different story. But surfing at 60 sounds pretty, uh, honestly, sounds very realistic. And uh, I don't see an issue of that. But yeah, I would like to keep... Um, pushing myself and and growing. Uh, we talked a lot about that, but life can take you away from those things and from the desire to play or challenge yourself. And uh, it's easy to be distracted with responsibilities or other things, but there's no reason why a human being at 60 cannot enjoy the outdoors. I mean, with technology all days and people are having better health and ability to, you know, take care of yourself. I mean, 60 is still... I mean, I, if you look in the outdoors world, of athlete, there's a lot of people at age 60 that look amazing and feel amazing and do so much, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, whether it's ultra marathon runners, whether it's surfers, skateboarders, they're definitely the, the longevity is there for sure. But what interests me about you talking about wanting to do this all the way up until you're 60 is, and I know we talked about this last time, but the Hyperflex video in what you talked about you know, surfing during a storm and that challenging you, do you feel like when you do that, that kind of contributes to you being able to have that type of longevity? So in other words, because it's so challenging, because you enjoy that pursuit, does that make it easier for you to keep going and keep doing it and keep pushing the envelope? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good
1: question. Um, Realistically, I don't have an answer. Um, I have moments where I'm wondering, am I doing something bad for my body? I don't know. Uh, or am I doing? But I love it so much that I do it. But actually, I quite feel good. So, uh, I, I, and I just surfed and it was cold, and I was I felt super fine. And I'm about to be forty in a, in, in in two months. I just, I just feel like I don't know. I was surfing with my buddies. One is nineteen, and one is thirty-two. I felt no different, even better than them. <laughs> you know, it's like just like, I, I didn't feel like it was the guy who was 40. I felt like it was 19 like them and 32. Right. So my point is it, um, I don't know why. So does it? Is it personal or is it the, the, the cold water surfing or is it the great surfing? Is it a, a combination of everything or the factors? But my point is sometimes I'm wondering why, why am I doing that and how can I do that and how can my body endure such extreme cold and, does that contribute to uh, health benefit or, or does that make me at some point, you know, fragile and, and, and proper to injury or sickness? I, I really don't have an answer to that. Uh, I have believe that it makes you stronger. I hope it does. Mentally for sure. I mean, physically for sure, but does it, you know, does does the cold can damage your, your body? And then, you know, of course, and sometimes you get, uh, you know, sometimes I get cold. Once a year, I will get a cold just because, you know, it's just too much. You know, it's too much on, on too much dampness and, and cold. But overall, I think you really keep your feet and strong. And, yeah, to answer your question, it helps you to keep going. Um, it, it's intense. So it's, it is it is sincerely intense. It's sometimes you question, how can I do that? Like sometimes you would be in a storm and you're like, how can my body take that? How can I keep howling in the winds and... Sometimes it gets dark and there's no visibility and you're by yourself and it's a big wave in the lake and you're like, that's crazy. Uh, but it is crazy because you think that somebody else thinks it's crazy, right? So um, when I think right. it's crazy, I'm thinking my wife or my neighbor or my mom. My mom would not if I listen to my mom, I get so scared. Don't go in the lake. it are going to be cold. <laughs> it's dangerous. Um, but then when I'm out there, I'm like, well, that's what I'm meant to be. That's what I want to do. That's, that's just what I love and that's what I'm supposed to do and
0: that's why I'm here. I are you familiar with uh Wim Hof because Wim would tell you that being in cold water for extended period of time is healthy for you. It's good for you because I don't know, I guess it's shocking your body a little bit to to get out of that normal routine of being a soft comfortable You know, being in the heat and whatnot. And then you get out there and you put your body through a little bit more extreme conditions and your body toughens up a little bit. I'm not sure if you're familiar with WIM. No, no, I'm not
1: familiar with the the person you're mentioning, but I'm familiar with the concept. And I do believe cold and warm and shocking your body. And I mean, there's been proven, even in France where I live, uh, they have a a club of people who are 90 years old. We swim every day with our wetsuit in the ocean in the winter and they swear by that and they, they sing it's just a. The best thing for them, so I just think that in, in the gray Lakes with the windshield and the ice and the current, you you really take it to a next level. Um, but we also have great equipment and wetsuit and things like this, and we do it for a purpose of pleasure. Um, but I do believe that it, it's yeah, it, it does create some immunity and some strength. And I mean, a lot of people turn around, are You are you sick? You're so skinny, and you always people tell me, Oh, did you lose weight? Like each time I see people, did you lose weight? <laughs> And I get so funny when people ask me if I lost weight. I get mad because I will always go home and weight myself. And I'm the same weight for like 20 years. <laughs> I mean, it's simple.
0: Yeah, I think people expect you, not just you, but right people expect other people to put on weight as time goes on. I feel like that's just a that might be more of an American thing than anything. Because uh, obviously we have uh, a bit more of an obesity problem in this country. And, you know, but I think that's where that comes from. I don't think that comes from. Uh, you know, obviously people, you know, trying to insult you or anything like that. But but most people here in this country, unfortunately, get bigger as time goes on. We don't stay the same.
1: Yeah, so, and actually, I think my point is like I've always been thin and it's not necessarily about me from my, uh, probably my European uh, genes and diet, but my personal, I'm, I'm thinner than anyone else in my family. But I think I'm so active too, right? Mm. Um, so my point to that, I think surfing I really think that you burn surfing in two or three hours in the cold water. I mean, you burn more calories than some people would burn in two months, uh, in two hours. I mean, it's just, there's no, this is what I'm saying. I don't know if the the math are right, but I I feel like, I mean, the intensity of the exercise and what is required for your body to stay warm, you burn a lot of calories. Um, so I feel it's, it's a tremendous physical exercise for sure.
0: One of the things you also talk about that I really, I really like, and I, I, I'm hoping to get you to expand a little more on this idea. And that is, is to just be who you are, because it seems like for you, right, uh, on a daily basis, you seem to wake up and know what you want to do, who you want to be. And you seem to be so comfortable in your own skin. And especially today with a lot of people, that's just not the case. So for you what is it about pursuing your passion that allows you to just be free of all these you know silly obligations that a lot of people have to engage in
1: yeah I know that's a great question it's a sensitive topic for me because uh sometimes i have the concern and worry and fear to be like i shouldn't say it like like everybody else because that's that almost sounds like negative and 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 but i'm saying like you would say like the you know like somebody most people that just wake up and do something they don't like just because they don't believe in themselves or you know society have created struggle in their life and and there's a lot of people like that <clears throat> including myself so life always want to take you away from what you who you want to be and what you love and just because we have to pay our bills and we have to you know feed our family and feed ourselves and all of that but I'm a firm believer that we live in America. It's a beautiful country. We're so blessed to create a place to to be free. Um, And I I think some people forget about that. And and we forget about dreaming. And we think that dreaming is just... The American dream is not driving a Ferrari or or having a big home, actually. The American dream is to be healthy and and do what you love. And um, I think sometimes those movies just think the, the, you know, the Hollywood movies and show the American dream, but uh, I truly think this is not what it is. The American dream is to work hard, to stay happy and healthy uh, and we have the ability to do that. here. We have a lot of choices and life will take you away from that but, and people sometimes will take you, people will rob your dream and, you know, and they will just just not because they're not good people, just just because they themselves are scared or they don't have the mental strength to to follow their own dreams. So they will sometimes see people who are happy or following their dream. They will tell you don't do that. It's, you know, it's going to hurt or gonna be, you're going to fall. You should do something else. But I mean, even some of my neighbors, like multiple times, like my neighbors, they said, but Ren, what are you doing? Like, what do you mean what I'm doing? They said, what are you doing with this weird outfit and clothes Why are you going? I'm going surfing Well, you should be working. I'm like, well, this is not what I want to do now. I want to go surfing. It makes me happy. That's my life. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to just go walking. I'm here to go surfing. Um, right. And then they will judge me instantly. Say, well, you should be, you know, doing something else. I'm like, well, but that's what's make me happy. And I will do the something else later. And, you know, but I will have a great, uh, uh, I will feel good about myself when I come back from surfing and then I can be productive and do something else. So I, I still, yeah, I think we have to wake up in the morning and do what we love. And it's and, and it may change you know, the the way we love may take a different perspective because it cannot be, I cannot surf every day uh, and I cannot get paid to only surf, but it starts from there. That's the roots, you know, and that's where you start. And then you modify the the path and, and, you know, you rebuild the, the wall and the house the way you want it based on that foundation of what you love. And then you adapt it to reality and to your skills and to society and to the market or to the geographic place where you are. But it is possible, and I think a life should be based on, on, on a dream on a
0: passion. What What's the point to do something we don't like? That's extremely well put. To be honest with you, like just being able to acknowledge what your dream is and and have the courage to go pursue it is something that, uh, like I said, a lot of people don't do. Um, and this coming from someone who immigrated, who had very little. Uh, to know English language and, and has become so successful. And and for me, when I talk about success, I mean, obviously I'm on the outside looking in. I don't know you. I don't live with you. I don't see you every single day. But what I do see is someone who uh, knows what they're about, loves doing them and being who they are and just continues to push that envelope. The question I would have to that is how much is community a part of that? You know You mentioned before about how there's a great a wonderful great lakes surfing community is that really important to continuing to be who you are and and being able to feel free enough to go do that type of stuff
1: yeah i mean i think community is everything um i also feel like sometimes so there's, there's different individual and there's there are different walk of life and different path and some people will need community to do what they want to do uh some people will do what they want to do and then kind of give back to the community and some people will just be themselves and maybe inspire the community. And some people were just uh, inspired to be part of a community. I mean, there are so many different dynamic. But I will say that uh, I'm I'm very blessed to have uh, met a lot of people who have inspired me. And I'm very blessed to um, I've met a lot of people in general in the Great Lakes in Canada who love the same passion. And some people outside of what I love, surfing, that just love what they do. I have friends who kite surf, I have friends who windsurf, I have friends who hike, I have friends who just like to take pictures. But those people just love what they do and they're passionate and I'm so lucky to have been able to, some people have told me that I inspire them. I've never even realized I would ever inspire somebody by, but I had people sending me messages and say, thanks for sharing those surfing pictures in the winter, you make me believing in the fact that something fun can be done in the winter. You make me realize that Rochester is a cool place and you make me realize that surfing is nice, and when you receive a message like that, you're like, wow, this is interesting. I'm just being myself and do what I love. But actually, somehow, somewhere, maybe I'm inspiring somebody to stretch his comfort zone or to break the cold or to catch a surfboard and go surfing. Or well, I have some people who don't surf and don't want to surf, but still say, hey, I, I'm looking forward to your next adventure. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, I'm being, I follow you and I'm looking forward to the next adventure. And I was almost confused that. Like, I feel almost like violated in my privacy. Like, what do you mean <laughs> looking forward for my next adventure? And they say, well, it's its encouraging me and you make me travel because I can travel or some people are older and they, you know, and, and they just, just, just look at the picture and they think it's cool. And then you realize, well, yeah, this is just not about me. It's about community. And... Uh, and, and, and it's about people and it's about, you know, sharing and loving and inspiring. And, and, and I think the COVID I've done that more, it's like people realize what they have around them and the importance of community. Um, and I think the Great Lakes community overall is, is pretty special. I'm so fortunate, so blessed that I can, I mean, go in any lake, very humble way. I can go in any lake and, and, and see friends. Good people, people who love certain people, who just love the outdoors and shake hands and have a coffee or be or and then and stay in their home where they can come at home. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a blessing.
0: So beautiful, when you're doing
1: beautiful people everywhere,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when I, it seems to be, you know, at least from your Instagram posts and the things I've seen on YouTube, you know, your adventures, if you will, right? Going out there and, yeah. and meeting new people and getting an opportunity to find people who are as passionate as you about this when you're out there and you're going surfing for a lot. I'll compare this to fishing. For example, a lot of people have their secret fishing spot. They won't tell anybody where it is. They won't tell you where they caught the big one. Is that similar in the surfing community? Are there spots that you won't tell anybody or maybe um, in last time we talked you had mentioned like you kind of have, I want you to do the work to get to the point where I'll okay, Okay, here you go. Here's the, here's the secret spot that I like to go to because you want to see a little bit more input or how does that work in your community? Because to me, uh, the way uh, you talked about it last time, it sounded very much like fishing. Like I can't tell people yeah, my yeah. secret watering hole.
1: <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a very good question. It can be very uh, tricky question too. Um, I'm going to answer in many different ways and many different dynamics. Um, there's the, the human being, there's a surfer, there's the person who is involved in the surfing industry. And, and, and there's just the, the, yeah, the human being, the person who wants to share. So genuinely, we all we all want to share. Uh, uh, sharing is loving, sharing is caring. Nobody owns anyone uh, or anything. You know, the legs are a public place and you want as many people to enjoy it. But sometimes with enjoyment and crowd comes conflict. Some people may not respect the, 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 the places or they will litter or they will, you know, and there's a lot of things that come with crud. And, and we're so blessed in the Great Lakes to be in a place where it's still undiscovered. It's a growing community. There are people that have been surfing uh, from the 60s. So there's people that have done that way before us. And, and, and we've pioneered those, those lakes. And I think that's important to share. Uh, but my point to that is we live in a very uncrowded place. And that's the beauty of it, and that's special, and that's something to be protected too. Uh, because if you go on the East Coast, on the West Coast, or even in France, you can catch a wave. There's 300 people. People are not smiling or talking to each other. They just want to grab a wave. Some of them are rude or aggressive. It's the stereotype of surfer, don't touch my wave. So I never personally want to be that person. If I see somebody in the water, I'm like, you know what? That's amazing. Uh, I respect them, I smile, I will introduce myself, especially in the everybody everybody's pretty much friendly and, and it's a blessing to always see a, a familiar face, but uh, I will be more said, you know, the person that will say to someone, well, I can, I can maybe loan you a fishing pole, uh, I can teach you how to fish. Um, but I can't quite tell you where to fish. Right, right. <laughs> if you catch a big fish, good for you. I'm not saying you have to tell me either or share with me. It's up to you. But um, the, the technology has changed everything and the dynamic of surfing. And sometimes, personally, I, I, it drives me nuts when people will surf and they will they will uh, hashtag or put a location of exactly where they are. I just never quite understood the concept. To be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm not saying I'm I'm not judging them, Um, but I always try to be very vague about where I serve because I work extremely hard uh, not speaking English, not having a car, not knowing the geographic place. I work so hard to access those places and I have so much respect and love for those places that um, I just try to keep them low key. But if I ever see someone in those places, I will always welcome them and tell them that this is their home. Um, so my point to that, I feel like people have to earn their way. Um, there's no. It, it, it's like if you, I have a lot of friends of mine that are extremely wealthy, but they mm-hmm. work extremely hard for what they have. And I will go to their home and, you know, if I will ask them for their car, say, that, you know, you have, you have a Ferrari. I come, you have a Ferrari, and I'm driving a Toyota, right? They probably <laughs> not going to tell me a i I'm not going to ask them for their car, and they're probably not going to give me their car. But I would probably ask them, hey. Uh, what is the mindset to become successful? Or what is, which book did you read last month? Or there's any way you can you know, teach me some skills to, for negotiation or anything, and then they probably will share with me and be super happy to share with me. But they're not going to give me their money or their car, but they're going to give me <laughs> their time, their knowledge, and it's up to me to learn and to do whatever I want to do with it. So I feel like you have to earn your way, um, but there's room for everybody. And if somebody wants it hard enough, they
0: will find a place, you know? It's, uh... Right, right. Well, it seems to be more valuable, right? So from your perspective, as someone who's in the industry, someone who is a surfer, someone who is a person, right, who wants to encourage people to, you know, give it a shot, it seems to be there's a there's a nice starting point. And then for you as a mentor, you want to almost challenge them to find those places on their own, not because you want it to be hard for them, but you want it to be more special for them because if it's that much more special they're probably going to do it more often and be a larger part of the community and and that's how you build a larger you know fan base for the great lakes not just by giving people here use this board use that wetsuit go to this spot at this time and you'll be good there's no there's no passion in it you're just handing them the keys you know
1: correct and 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 uh, i'm in the industry and i could encourage if I wanted to make more income and sell more product, I would encourage everybody to go and surf. But I don't do that. Uh, I don't do that. I, I can recognize from inquiries who is serious, who is motivated, who is truly someone that wants to do it just because he wants to challenge himself. or He loves the outdoors. He loves the water. He loves surfing. You know, um, I mean, There are many businesses or companies or people who just try to sell as many products as they can to someone and say, just go surfing. Uh, I, I don't find it to be organic, you know, uh, we're, not selling, we're not selling a board or a wetsuit, uh, we're selling a lifestyle and a culture and a lifelong passion um, and surfing comes with adventure and, and, and that's, that's what surfing is, surfing is a search, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's not just like, it's like you mentioned fishing or it's not like you go to a tennis court and you know where the tennis court is, no, the tennis court is moving all the time and, mm. and you change colors and faces and places. And, and then you have to, you know, adapt and, and, and that adaptation, that's what make you, that makes the sport special and you just have to, to just chase it.
0: What a phrase. The tennis court is moving all the time. I, I like that phrase. That's that kind of sums it up really well because yeah, in the, in the arena of surfing, you're never going to catch the same wave. Are you?
1: There's never gonna you're never gonna catch the same wave and and, and even at the same place and it's never gonna look the same uh, on Monday or Tuesday or a west wind or an east wind or in, in, it's never the same. Everything is changing. Everything is fickle. Everything is it's moving. And, and that's all those moving parts that make it so special because it requires so much time and work and discipline. And you try to make it a science, but you never know it all. I mean, I friend who tell me, "I know it all." Then good for you if you know it all, but. You, you don't know what's going to happen when you're going to come to that place. You can, you can guess, you can be close to the reality, but Mother Nature always does whatever she wants. And that's what makes this sport special. We are the mercy of Mother Nature and we have nothing. Um, and we think we know it all. And I, I myself think I know everything about Lake Ontario or Lake Erie, or the Great Lakes. And, but I don't. I'm, I'm humble and I learn each time I go. And and Mother Nature does everything she wants. She you know she just changed the course of the storm, and mm. and the the, the scientists uh, forecast twenty feet wave, and you go there and it's like five feet. And sometimes they forecast no the wave, and you heard that you missed a beautiful storm. Yeah, that's, that's why you have to so, be there.
0: You know. So for Lake Ontario, for you know, mother nature in this, in this regard, something that was pretty impactful a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken, it was, I think it was prop 2014. And a lot of people were complaining because Lake Ontario, the water levels, ro- they, they yeah. rose quite a bit. Um, There's a lot of homes, unfortunately impacted that got flooded. A lot of damage occurred, but is there a bright spot for <laughs> surfing? Like, did that impact what you saw on the water a couple of years ago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, it was even,
1: uh, it was much like, I mean, you're talking like even two years ago, uh, we had a yeah. very high level of, of, uh, of water, um, and it did impact the surfing, actually. It was not as good. Uh, the, too much water, I feel like it, it doesn't create good wave. Oh. Um, but I would, it, it, some spot will be different, but yes, and a lot of people were impacted. A lot of people lost a lot of money, part of their home. Um, it was pretty dramatic. But it's, there's so much around it. It's regulated by states and countries and between Canada. And there's so much around it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it did affect the surf and it was not as good. And a lower level see- of water, I think, um, in certain spots, and most of the spots, I would think create a better
0: wave. I, see, I would think the opposite. I would think more water is better because you have more surface area to... Yeah, this is my analogy
1: of it, but it will depend on the spot. It would de- de- depend on a lot of things. But too much water is not necessarily that good. If you have no beach to walk, and and then it totally recover uh, 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 a reef area, or I, I, I think it depends on the context and the case and the place. And uh, some spot may be better with more water than some I think would be better with less water. But I did think that when we had a lot of water, I think the wave are not as good.
0: Mm. so is it so what you were just talking about like reefs so if the water level gets higher right i think at one point it was like three or four feet higher or something like that it was pretty significant when it gets away from the reef is that also part of the reason why a wave might not be well in in my in my
1: understanding in my analogy of it but again i'm not a i'm not a, a scientist an expert on, on that topic or subject so some people may say hey he doesn't know what he's talking about but in my understanding of some of the spaces I've surfed, too much water, will, uh, there's less room and space, you know, for the wave to actually hit that reef or that surface or that sandbar, it doesn't break as, as well and as nice, you know. Uh, gotcha. Something to verify, but uh, I, all I can tell you is when we had more water, I felt like we had less wave and they were not as good.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, I don't know what I'm talking about either. So you're (laughs) far more an expert than I am. I'm just asking the questions just to see. Mm -hmm. But let's keep going. So it's 2021, right? You just went surfing, you know, I think a couple of days ago. Uh, There's less ice right now. What does the future look like for Great Lakes surfing? Is there something that's coming that, whether it's a a new product, like a, a different type of wetsuit or a different board, is there something? else that's coming that uh, that you're excited about for the future of great lake surfing
1: um i mean i'm excited about the, the the potential of uh just traveling more and catching bigger waves on, on the lakes and pushing the the limit of what can be done and, and exposing it to the world of surfing even more and said hey this is legit this is a culture this is a really respected respectful community and those people are legit so we've been working hard to kind of do that but there are so many beautiful people in so many area of the lake doing the the same thing or even more more work um to you know to bring credibility uh in the world of surfing from from what we do and where we live but uh i can't think about any new products or anything but i can think about a lot of more people getting to surf and embracing it men women all the people i'm super excited about seeing some. there's a kid in Lake Michigan, um, you know, he, he's really a good surfer. He's eight years old. I think he just turned nine. And I'm looking forward to bring him to, I mean, not to bring him, but to invite him and go with them and his parents uh, and maybe a couple other friends to New Jersey to surf his first ocean wave with two professional surfer. Uh, that would be something that I would have dreamed about personally when I was a kid. So that's something that I've been working on to try to do that with them. So I think it will be super special for that one of the youngest wave surfer actually to go to the ocean, catch his first wave with two professional surfers. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, yeah, for sure. And he's dark. He's really excited about it, and he, including a novelty wave like a ferry wave, the wave that is created by a ferry. That a friend of mine, was a very famous surfer now, uh, and kind of a novelty surfer and a YouTube guy, and, and super. Um, you know, has a massive amount of following. He surfed fifty states of America. What about that? Um, he made it happen. Um, you
0: can surf all fifty states. He did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's the answer. He did. Um, right, right, right. He really did. He did. You should look at it. Look him up. His name is Ben Gravy. It's uh, super interesting. He's a friend, um, and um, so, but yeah, the, the kid. This, this young boy will, will love to, to do that. So that's, that's one of my projects that I think is exciting, um, to push younger people and, and to keep showing how great the Great Lakes are. I, I kind of wanted to do a professional surfing competition. I wanted to bring, uh, invite some of the best surfers on the East Coast and West Coast and, and, and host the competition on Lake Ontario on a very, very gnarly, cold, windy, I mean, the most extreme day and and I was excited to bring some of those Californian people who surf in the warm and to show them <laughs> sure. how legit and cold and brutal uh, it can be and to see how they react and will serve that place. That's something I had in mind for a long time. I don't know if logistically I will do it because the COVID have changed that. I was supposed to do it last year and then I didn't do it. So if the excitement stay, I will I will work on that and potentially do that when they host that first ever surfing competition in the Great Lakes and have some of the best surfers on the East Coast and West Coast battle for a title on the most cold Lake Ontario wave on a winter day. I think that's cool. That excites me a lot, actually.
0: That would be pretty cool, especially if you had a you know a crowd of a few people and maybe an announcer who who understood a lot about Lake Ontario surfing or, or Great Lake surfing in general so that um, people could understand what they're seeing. Because one of the things that I've noticed and I don't know if you've seen this as well So somebody like me who uh, maybe, maybe I'll never get into surfing, but if I understand more of the technical details as to what I'm seeing. So if I see a picture of you on a board going down a wave, right. And you're doing a move, maybe, I don't know. Right. I don't understand the technical details of what you're doing and what you're accomplishing. And I wonder how much of that could impact, you know, eyeballs on the sport. Is that something you've ever considered or thought about?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it's very important to, uh, if you, find in, in that context of hosting a competition, it's very important to have good judge. Uh, and so many people think they know something or they understand something, but competitive surfing is very different, actually. And there are so many competitions that we did in the Great Lakes where I realized some judges, they really, since they didn't really know what they were supposed to judge people on, and they will give a good score just because somebody will ride away for a long time. But who cares? Somebody can ride away for two hours if he doesn't make a turn or any technical maneuver, it does not matter. Uh, If you get someone who make a very sharp turn, vertical turn on one wave, and that's all he does, and you see someone just riding the wave for two hours, what's not possible is just an example, but doesn't make any move. Well, the person that ride it for 20 seconds and made a vertical turn deserve more points than the person who will ride for two hours doing absolutely no turns. So it's actually very challenging and it's very technical to judge surfing and to have the proper person to judge during an event will be uh, will be really important and it will bring tremendous value to the Great Lake Surfer. My idea for that competition was to have Great Lake Surfer pairing, not necessarily competing, but pairing as a team with a professional surfer. So they can, so it brings respect from the professional surfer because they don't have a choice, they have to pair somebody from the Great Lakes were local. Knowing that more than likely they won't be as talented and as good, but that will bring some instant respect. And then the Great Lakes surfer will have instant gratification, but also will be able to look up and learn from those professional surfers and see what's possible. And that event in my mind, in my eyes, will bring surfing, Great Lakes surfing, you know, much more visibility, credibility, but also, we'll bring a platform for people to learn and grow and get better.
0: Yeah, I, I actually really like that idea, especially in in when you're talking about pairing them up and being able because it's not just someone who's a professional surfer being able to you know maybe give tips or talk about you know technically how they're doing what they're doing, but at the same time, the Great Lake surfer can probably give the pro some advice because I imagine that surfing in Lake Ontario is not like surfing. In the Pacific Ocean, in Southern right. California, or the south of France, I'm sure it's completely different. So,
1: yes. Yeah, so, uh, as I'm, talk- I'm glad we talk about that because now I, re- I kind of lost a little bit of that idea. I had it, uh, I had it for for a long time in my mind. I was really supposed to put it off, and then the COVID, and you know, and then. But now I'm thinking it's still there. So you know, maybe next year.
0: Hey, hey, listen. I think that there's some legitimacy to that. I think that would be a ton of fun, and I would love to be able to, you know, be a part of it. If there's something I could do to help, if if it ever comes to, you know, fruition, uh, you know, reach out. If there's something I could do, I would love to do it because I, yeah. I think that not only would you be bringing the sport elevated, but the thing that I like about what you're talking about, what you do, is is it's also a region, right? You're elevating the region. Come to Rochester so, to check well, out yeah. some surfing. You know,
1: yeah, and I, I really. You know, I, I just always, I never think about, you know, myself. I always try to think about Lake Ontario and then Great Lakes and then surfing. And then sometimes I even think about New York state. Like I always you know, I just feel like it's, it's more than just me or even surfing. It's just putting a, 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 a lifestyle, a culture, but also
0: a region, a region, a place where people live,
1: an area like upstate New York, New York, like to, you know, some people are like, there's nothing to do upstate New York. There's nothing to do in New York. There's nothing to do. And actually it's beautiful, so much to it. Um, so it's bringing much more than just the sport of surfing actually, or, or Lake Ontario, it's really like an area where people can realize and a lot of do, but a lot of don't obviously saying that there are things to do in the winter. There are things to explore. There are beautiful places to go. Um, there are a lot of things to take advantage of. It's not in California, it's not in Florida, it's not in Orlando, <laughs> right, right. it's not in Hawaii. Right. Actually, to be honest with you, like people say, my, I had an argument with my friend not too long ago. He said, Already, right, you should move to Hawaii. And I'm like, why? Why? I don't understand why you say I should move to Hawaii. And he's like, well, really, you're cold and you're shaking your leg. But I said, listen, people are where they wanna be. I'm not asking, he, he, he lives in Mexico. I said, I'm not asking you to leave Mexico. To go to Peru. You, I'm assuming you're in Mexico, and, and you. it's a good example actually, Mexico, because we have so many preconceived notions. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, oh, it's dangerous. Why do you live in Mexico? But you always tell me how happy it is and how beautiful it is. So I said, well, you think that I'm living in Lake Ontario, I should be in Hawaii. But actually, where I live, it's beautiful. And what I do, I love it. And I don't want to be in Hawaii, actually. I'd rather be in Rochester.
0: I love it, man. I love it. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on, talking to me, giving me some time. I'm hoping sometime this week, uh, maybe next week, if the waves are out, I'll be able to come out and meet you. Maybe take a couple of pictures, watch you uh, catch a couple of waves. It'd be a ton of fun. Yeah, actually, we should do
1: that. Um, so I'm going to go down in my surf room, and I'm going to pick up a hat, and I'm going to put it on the side so I remember. I remember my. You know, I remind myself to. To, to bring it to you and it'd be a good excuse to meet. So you like uh, black or gray? I see you have a gray and black now. So
0: I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm not picky. All right, cool. <laughs> so I'll put it aside for you and then what I would do is I will um,
1: send you a message when um, I see uh, a wave and, and when I'm going to go surfing and if you're flexible then uh, we,
0: we can meet. That'd be awesome. I can be flexible. For you to see that, I can be flexible. Don't worry. But again, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully we'll be able to meet up soon, man. Thank you.